With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Frankly, I think the dogs don't like them because, well, because sometimes they bring bad news. Mackey and Judd. Animals sense those things, you know. On 1500 ESPN. That's that's unbelievable. I'm like, I'm happy. I was sad. Now, (laughs) wow. I got, oh my goodness. I'm, I'm shocked. I don't know what else to say. It's unbelievable. And I know they've got a great defense. I haven't started watching their defense yet, but, uh, you know, their, def- their front guys uh, are really good. Um, 27, the safety, I know he's a, he's a very good player, so we'll just have to start studying them up. Mike Zimmer on to Philadelphia. On to Philadelphia, no more celebrating, which is what they should do, right? There's, uh, oh, yeah. Fans can still celebrate yes. and, you know, and be zonked out at work, but Vikings, you got business to take care of, so go, go take care of it in Absolutely, Philadelphia. Yeah. All right, we. Let, I'm going to read this. You know, interject as you uh, as you will, and hover over the dumb. This button is going to be very interesting to watch you read this. This is from Deadspin.com yesterday. Drew McGarry is a diehard Vikings fan. He's been on our show before, and he's he he does a great job. But he's really a vulgar writer, too. So if you never read his stuff, it's, like, shockingly vulgar, but it's yes. hilarious. He's a, he's a really good writer. He's an author. And the article is, holy bleeping bleep, that really happened from a Vikings fan's point of view. Hover over the dump button here in case I let one fly. I'm ready. I scared the bleep out of my kids. They had already been subjected to three hours of me clapping and yelling and screaming at the TV, bearing witness to an utterly deranged side of their father that they almost certainly would have preferred to never learn about. I sat, I stood, I paced. No position felt comfortable. We were in the same basement where I watched Blair Walsh shank a 27-yarder against Seattle, a game that made me literally collapse to the ground in agony at the end. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Now the Vikings are on the verge of blowing a 17-point lead to Drew Brees for another awful home playoff loss. Their final drive began with a false start, and I was like, oh, bleep, here we bleeping go again. Another steaming plate of dog bleep. Yes, thought the same thing. Yes. My 8-year-old looked at me dead in the eye and told me with all seriousness that I needed to calm down, but I couldn't. That's my favorite part of the whole thing. Dad, calm, calm down. down. Calm yourself, yeah. Now there were 10 seconds left on the clock, and I was standing there, palms together, praying for the kind of football miracle that never, ever happens for the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. And then it did. I still can't believe it. 
I fully expected to wake up this morning to learn that the NFL retroactively called holding on Stefan Diggs' game-winning 61-yard touchdown catch and run because that's a much more Vikings thing to happen. But no, no, apparently what I saw was real. I was just hoping Case Keenum could hit a long sideline pass so I'd have the privilege of getting my guts torn out by a kicker all over again. Then he found Diggs at the 34-yard line, and I thought Diggs was just going to hop out of bounds to stop the clock. But with two Saints defenders dropping like bowling pins, Diggs found himself free and fabulously unobligated to be cautious. <laughs> For a split second, I was like, what is he doing? But that fear vanished the moment I realized no one was going to catch him. No one. Listen to the crowd as they, as I did, quickly go from, hey, they might have a chance to win this, to holy bleep, they're going to win this right now. Play that video at my bleeping funeral. (laughs) Maybe the Vikings will eat bleep against the Eagles, or maybe they play a hometown Super Bowl only to be vaporized by a Pat's Death Star. Whatever, man, I still have this. I just watched the play again for the 90th time, and it still makes my face explode in a haphazard jag of tears and laughter. It's like someone drilled a hole in my head and poured in a vat of Christmas-spiked heroin. (laughs) I now have no control over it. It's the best. I enjoy being crazy. It's liberating. When the play happened, I screamed out, oh, my God, on repeat and dropped to the ground like I had just won Wimbledon. (laughs) My bleephole dog started barking at me because he thought I was angry. My daughter, who would not stop peppering me with irritating questions all game long, asked me, did they win? Yeah, they won. My other kids just stared at me and laughed because I looked like an imbecile. I regret nothing. I made every incredulous fan pose, including grabbing my own hair, placing my hands over my tear-soaked eyes, interlocking my hands behind my head and exhaling sharply. White guy fist pump. Unimpressive vertical jumping, running around in a very small circle, crying out, yes, and bad dancing. I did it all. Again, this never happens to the Vikings. Like other NFL haves, uh, like other NFL never haves, the Vikings tend to have historic bleep happen to them and not for them. They are often the purple canvas upon which other teams find their dreams rendered real and immortal. But not this time, mother bleeper. This time, my team finally got a miracle to call its own. I don't know if that's worth sitting through 30-plus years of Denny taking a knee, Nate Poole, Antonio Freeman walking off a touchdown catch of his own, and Blair, 12 men on the field, and every other god-awful thing that's happened to this idiot team. But it feels kind of like it. Look at this video, man, and it's Dave Harrigan at the XL Energy Center with a bunch of other fans. Look at how bleep bleep happy everyone is. Sometimes sports have mercy. Sometimes sports pay you back. And I just hope that every Lions, Browns, Bengals, and Jets fan gets to have a little miracle of their own one day. But not the Eagles. I hope the Vikings bleep the Eagles up. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love the fact his kid told him to calm down. Oh, that's outstanding. The eight-year-old. Dad, you got to calm down. Dad, enough. You've got to calm yourself. Yeah. It's going to be hard to explain to an eight-year-old who like, maybe remembers the Blair Walsh miss, but probably not because they were like five yeah, or, and, or yeah, six. They probably saw it and they're like, whatever. Yeah. And this and poor Drew is sitting there crying. And I mean, he probably just encapsulated what thousands of Vikings fans went through too. 
with the hole, yes. basically going, I can't believe it, and your your uh, hands are on your head, and then all, you're covering your eyes. All the modes of celebration he went through. Yeah. I bet you everybody did at least one of them. Yeah. How I many sure, white guy fist bumps did you see? Oh, so many. <laughs> I, I for sure did the hands on head, yep. the jump up in disbelief as I stare at the TV waiting for something to say that, no, this didn't actually happen. Um, we had the volume on pretty low because we were about to take the airwaves. So I, we couldn't really hear. Joe Buck was excited, but we were waiting for, oh, but like the play never happened because there was a timeout called or something stupid, even though I don't think anyone had timeouts left. They didn't yeah. by that point. Man. Or there was a hold or there was a flag down. There had to have been something. Pass interference, offense. The, the what, what they showed from the X, though, is great because you can see people who are standing by each other starting to hug. Yeah. And they're just like throwing their arms around each other, and you could tell they have no idea who the person I is. I told you I got hugs. I know. It's hugs just... and high fives. Everyone was screaming, and I was just standing there smiling and laughing. <laughs> How could and you That's not all laugh? I could do. I don't know what I was laughing at, but I was like, oh my gosh. Just that... giggling. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> There's People no... were collapsing around me. Yes. Falling to their knees. Everybody, I think, started smirking and laughing. Yeah. I don't think there was any other way to comprehend it. And steps into it. Pat. I still don't know what just happened. I really don't. Yes. All I can say is give it to God because without him, nothing, nothing is possible and I wouldn't be here. So damn that <laughs> feel good. I love that pivot. I love that pivot. Thanks to God and bleep that feels great. That's amazing. I think I think the reason why you started to laugh uncontrollably because the play was too pronged. Like he catches the ball and you're like, oh my God, he caught the ball. And so you're like, you're, that's going through your head right then. And then if you're watching, they show him start to run and there's no one there. And like putting that all together at that at that specific time is really difficult. Like just catching the ball is like, oh my gosh, he caught the ball. And then you're like, there's nobody there. Well, you know, so they say like if, if people who break down the science of why people laugh at jokes or why like why people laugh, you, you go to a stand-up comedy show. You're not laughing because something is wacky. You're laughing usually because it's an unexpected twist on a story. Like if a stand-up comedian is telling you an anecdote and then veers off over here for the punchline, you 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 laugh because you didn't your brain didn't expect that to be okay. Sure. That, that or you can like sense. anticipate it. So if that's the logic behind why people yeah. laugh at stand-up comedians, yeah. you're watching that game play out, and you could kind of anticipate. Oh, he might catch the ball, but nowhere in your thought process was. And score a touchdown. So when that part happens, it triggers this. Oh, what? What? Oh yep. my God! You just you, you giggle uncontrollably. I, I every time I think about it, I still laugh. Like this is such an unexpected twist and turn of events that just doesn't happen. It's and, it's mean too. But but the more you, you go back and watch that play, the safety flying by Diggs is hilarious. Like it like it's it, so it, stupid. It looks like they are filming a mo- movie scene. And they told the guy, okay, Diggs is going to be the hero of this film. What I need you to do is act like a football player. Make it look good. And make it look good, but make it look funny. Like, fly by him. And And tuck your head, don't look at him at all, and just throw a shoulder into The more I watch it, the more I laugh about that guy just flying by him. Yeah, And and, and the narrative and some of his teammates have come out and said... Hey, this this one play will not define you. Or I think even he came out and said he tweeted, "This one play will not define me." 
Well, a couple problems with that. <laughs> Not to pile on, but I'm going to pile on. Yes. First of all, Drew Brees is almost 40. He's coming back next year, yep. but you're not going to have the Hall of Fame quarterback dragging your team to the postseason on a regular basis anymore. Mm-hmm. Imagine how great of a moment he's going to have to have at some point later in his career mm-hmm. for that not to be the play that defines him. And it's it's mean to say it, and I feel bad even with the words coming out of my mouth, but that play absolutely will define him. Bill Buckner had a great career. It, oh, Bill, Bill Buckner, Buckner was was a, was, a, was a multi-time he, All-Star, right? With the Cubs, Red Sox? Williams with the Saints now, Phil, is as defined as Blair Walsh is here. It's the same thing. Is there anything? He's going to have to have like a pick six that wins the Super Bowl. Now, if he gets traded to the Rams or something and goes on to a great career, perhaps nationally, that, that, that won't be how he's defined. But if you're a Saints fan and I bring up his name 20 years from now, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. That guy. That playoff game. Well, when we bring up. This is a much lesser scale, but when we, when we bring up the name Chris Dishman, was a he, he played for the Oilers for a while. Chris Dishman was a, a good player, a long time, very good NFL defensive back. Yes. And the only thing you think of with Chris Dishman is him laying on his face in the middle of a rain-soaked Lambeau field yes. with the ball like on the back of his arm as Antonio Freeman picks it up and runs into the end zone. The only it defines his career. The only reason why to this day Fahu Tahi is defined here is what twelfth man. The only other way to him define him is like as three, the 12th man. three yard pass reception. But I'm but, say, but yeah. I'm saying that certain people in in towns are defined by things that went very wrong. Yeah. And six, that's it. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Hey Steve. Steve. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you now, yeah. Go ahead. Hey, thanks. Thanks very much. Case Keenum, how about that? Jim McMahon. A little bit of flair, a little bit of charisma, but mostly makes a big play at the right time and most likely will have huge success in a short span of years such as McMahon. You know, he could. So I like the comparison. Now, McMahon actually played like a decade and a half, but he kind of bounced around. He was with Chicago for the first throughout the 80s um, and and Vikings for a year. And Green Bay, right, for a year or something Eagles for a couple years in there. Yeah, he bounced around. Uh, Was never a top quarterback I, I and, and it's hard to compare across eras because right. quarterback play was it was just harder to be a good quarterback in the '80s. I still think Case Keenum has offered the Vikings more than Jim McMahon offered the Bears. The Bears were Walter Payton and the best defense of of that generation. It's really hard to compare. Yeah, I can't. I I see where where he's going, but quarterback play then was so different. Yeah, it's hard to go. Yeah, um, I'm with you on this. Dave, what kind of questions do you want to fire at us here? Really good ones about football things, Vikings, AFC Championship, all sorts of goodies. Well, Mackie and Judd now continue. We have the goods. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right, Dave Harrigan's got some questions for us. Fire away, sir. Yeah, I do. Uh, the word is Pat Shermer is in line to be the new head coach of the New York Giants. Once the season ends, he'll get his second interview perhaps next week and take that job. That's the word. Boys, mm-hmm. you've given a lot of praise to Pat uh, for his work leading the <laughs> offense, uh, making all the calls this year, and uh, having Case Keenum be his guy. Whoever you think the quarterback is going to be for the Vikings next year, what is your level of faith that the offense will still be uh, running at uh, at least close to the level it's been this year without 
Shermer making the play calls. Hmm. Mine personally uh, is is very wait and see, and I don't have way to take a stand. I don't have a ton of faith here. Um, I've seen too many coordinators. I this whole no, notion that well we can just replace Shermer and it'll be fine because we're going to hire s- someone off our staff to me is risky. So my faith right now is not extremely high. I mean everything has gone right. Shermer's done a fantastic job. Uh, his work with the quarterbacks has been really, really good. Uh, so I think to assume that this is just all going to be handed to an assistant on the staff now and translate, well, I've seen that act before, and it doesn't necessarily work. So my faith is not is not super high. Uh, my faith is, I, I don't know if you're going to be able to rekindle the exact magic, but you have all kinds of great pieces around. Unless you bring in Barney Fife to be your offensive coordinator, somebody should, if, if, you, bring, if you bring Case Keenum back, I think Case Keenum's going to experience at least some degree of success. They, this offense will not take a nosedive just because Pat Shermer's gone. Um, and and I, I'll take it a step further. I think right now, and we can talk more about this later on in the hour, right now my gut says bring back Case Keenum on the franchise tag. You have $57 million in cap room, according to overthecap.com. So Case Keenum would eat up, you know, a large chunk of that, but you'd still have thirty plus million dollars to spend on either outside free agents or bring back uh, Tom Johnson's a free agent. Marcus Sherrill's doesn't need a lot of money; he's a free agent. You don't have a lot of high profile free agents. Kai Forbath, I'm gonna give him a million dollars. I don't know, bring him back. Uh, so you, you can franchise tag Case Keenum, bring him back for one year, let this thing play out again. Bridgewater's the backup again for some sort of incentive-laden contract. And you have enough money to go out and sign a couple free agents that you want to, to help fill holes. So, no, I don't I don't think – Pat Shermer has done an awesome job, and he deserves a ton of credit for career seasons by Nick Foles in Philadelphia and Case Keenum here and a career game by Sam Bradford. But to say that the drop-off is going to be absolute and that Keenum is going to go back to being what he was in St. Louis, I don't foresee that happening if you bring him back. I'm very concerned. Have you guys looked at the betting lines for this weekend's games yet? Uh, just the Vikings. Uh, I believe it's Patriots by nine. Correct. Patriots by nine over Jacksonville. That's the one I want to get into because at least to me, this is jumping ahead a little bit towards pros, pros versus Joe's Friday, but that number seems awfully high. What's the level of shock or surprise you would have if the Jags actually go in and win that game outright? Um, z- zero. Would not be shocked at all. Outright. Nine is an interesting number. It feels like a Blake Bortles, Tom Brady spread. And the total they have is 46 and a half, which means what? It'd be like a 28 to 19 or so game. Mm. Well, here's another. Yeah, Mm. here's another layer to add to it. The Patriots defense was awful the first month of the year. But I saw something yesterday. I think it was NFL stats and information. The Patriots defense has actually allowed the fewest points per game the last three months in the NFL. And then the, the teams that follow are the Vikings and the Jaguars and uh, the Eagles are in that mix. So if if Vegas is saying, listen, you're all raving about the Jaguars defense, the Patriots defense has been just as good points allowed per game. So let's say those two defenses cancel out and it's just Blake Bortles and Tom Brady. Nine points seems like a pretty fair number in that context. But again, it wouldn't if look what they've done to Ben Roethlisberger twice this year. And look at that pass defense and the way that they can get after with just their, you know, their their front four pass rush. 
if they can make Tom Brady uncomfortable, I'm leaning toward Jaguars and and taking the points, but uh, we'll see where the week takes us until Furman on Friday. It's uh, Belichick. It's Belichick, Brady, and Kraft all galvanized now by the ESPN report that's come out. Um, I am taking the Patriots. I am giving the points, and I will be very, very surprised if the Jaguars win this game. And the under, too. I want the under. Because I'm guessing that they're not going to get up to 46.5 points. Think like a 17-10? Yep, that's what I think. And I think the oh, Patriots man, win. And I will be and I will be surprised. I will take them and I will. So you're taking the, the points, points on the Patriots, or you're, yep. you're giving I'm, the points. I'm giving the points. Oh, so it'll be I'm, it would I'm have taking to be the Patriots. Like twenty one yes. to yes. To, oh my to ten or something. You're calling a blowout. I think that yes, and I think the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars in this game will score about maybe a touchdown. I feel like the Patriots have won a lot of blowouts. The, Recently, in the you know, last te- few weeks of the regular season, the, I haven't looked at their schedule back. But. The worst thing that happened to this entire league was that ESPN story, basically saying that Belichick's gone because he very well might be. But guess what? He's brilliant in situations like this. Absolutely brilliant. Nice. Nah, well, then, what the heck? Let's just fast forward. Super Bowl Fifty Two, Vikings Patriots. If that's what it's going to be, then that's Ooh. what it's going to be. I was just looking back at the Vikings points allowed. You know, ever since the bye week, you give up 30 to the Redskins, but then you hold the Rams to seven. You give up 23 to the Lions, you hold the Falcons to nine. You give up 31 to the Panthers, you give up 24 in the second half to Breeze. But, you know, terrible quarterbacks, terrible teams. You held the Bengals, Packers, Bears to 17 combined points, those three teams. Paint me a picture, boys. Vikings defense v. Brady. What happens? Oh, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be so much fun. This game would be great to watch. No, will be. The Patriots. The <laughs> the pa- the Patriots are offensively definitely slowed by Zim. I mean, you've got two weeks here of Belichick Zim preparation. It's going to be great. Uh, the Patriots are definitely slowed. I think Gronk's a factor, but I don't think he goes crazy. I think I think you slow Gronk. Uh, out of the backfield would be a little bit dicey, but I think that you have success against that. The picture that I will paint is I will paint for you an incredibly close game, a 21 to 17 final. And the winner will be the New England Patriots. Wow. In a great Whoa, game. Oh, you already are on the record. Write that down. Xavier Rhodes, MVP. But that's because Rhodes. This is hedging right that's here. That's because Rhodes picks off Brady three times. The oh, Patriots still put up 21. Oh, okay. And we get a losing player as a MVP. A defensive player. And a Zolgat special. It's a Zolgat special. Defensive MVP oh. for the losing team. Look at you hedging all over the place. That's what that's I do. like a microcosm of Judd's, what I do of Judd's radio it uh, would game. Be. Like opinions from all angles that <laughs> yeah. like, don't have any it, it would be a great, linear. Uh, it would be a pattern. great game. Can't though. be wrong. Ha ha. Man would be a great game. I really think, I I think the Vikings are going to win the Super Bowl. I do. Like I've, they're, the, the Stefan Diggs play combined with some of the Patriots angst and the fact that the Patriots don't have a gimme game in the AFC Championship, like we have to factor that in. I know Dave's question is about Vikings Patriots in the Super Bowl, but I think this is the year that they finally put it all together. It's the right coach, it's the right DNA, it's the right defense, it's the right result in the divisional game that you probably should have lost because of the way that Drew Brees played in the second half, but you didn't like for the first time in franchise history. And so uh, uh, to to go prediction on it, the score is in that ballpark. It's it's like a they hold Tom Brady and company 
maybe they move the ball between the 20s, but they do a good job in the red zone, and the Patriots do score 20. I'm going to say it would be Vikings, like Vikings 27, Patriots 23, and it's the Vikings defense that gets a big stop on Bill Belichick and company. I mean, it, it's, it, it, it's, it would be a lot like the Super Bowl that the Seahawks gave to the Patriots at the end. Maybe this is how it plays out. You know, that was Patriots 28, Seahawks 24, I believe. And Seahawks were driving at the very end. Clock is ticking down under a minute. And they butchered the play call. They just like they, yeah, they threw a dumb inside slant route in a crowded box yep. instead of handing the ball off. Um, I guess that's the equivalent of like throwing it to Laquan Treadwell instead of Adam Thielen or... All right, Michael Floyd, you're going to be the hero instead of Kyle Rudolph, right? Leaning on somebody that hasn't been there really uh, in those big moments. But I, I do. I, I think they win the Super Bowl. Maybe at this we point. could really make Stephen A. happy. Patriots are winning this weekend by 14 late, and some disgruntled Jag goes in and hits Brady low, breaks his ankle. You get Vikings v Hoyer Super Bowl. Oh my <laughs> God, then, then you Hoyer yeah, Keenum. Right. All oh. right, and then the only storyline would be. If Bill Belichick wins the Super Bowl without Tom Brady, mm-hmm. then Bill Belichick means more to the Patriots than Tom Brady. Greatest right? coach of all time. <laughs> and it's Hoyer Keenum gets sold to to from NBC Public Access. <laughs> they, they say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put it on public access because no one wants to see this now. We're just going to run a This Is Us marathon, actually, <laughs> during the Super Bowl. <laughs> It'll be on NBC Sports Network, Same commercials. Uh, but only streaming online. <laughs> The same channel, they'll put it on CNBC where you find curling, like the bronze medal curling <laughs> match right. during the Olympics. <laughs> oh, man. All right, we got into this Case Keenum discussion earlier about, and Dave brought up a question uh, just a few minutes ago. So where, if you're tiering quarterbacks, where do you confidently put Case Keenum after you've seen his body of work through through this last playoff game, Mackey and Judd. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Don't you like to see these two blood absolutely oh, yeah. scumbags going after each other? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Both teams have really good defenses, number one. And uh, number two, I think, uh, you know, I can't, I can't speak for Foles right now because I haven't watched enough on him. But our guy's played great all year long, and he's played... Um, I don't know what his record is, 13-1 and one or something like that. So he's he's played good. But uh, I think the thing that both the teams have, if they have, they both have good teams. You know, they have good offensive line. We have good offensive line. We have good defense, good receivers. Um, you know, I think it's a credit to, uh, to Doug Peterson and the things he's done there. B tweets in simply, stop talking Super Bowl. B, I got bad news for you. Too late for that, dude. First it's of all, too late for that. There's no such thing as a jinx. You guys all got mad when we when we reprinted the "It's Happening" shirts before the Twins playoff. You know, when it was like August. Okay, they made the playoffs. Announcers all the time talk about no hitters during games. If you believe in jinxes, then sorry, I guess. And don't and don't forget too, the Vikings printed towels before this past game, basically. Yeah, and they dude. still won. And the towels say, "Bring it home." Yeah. For what? The Super Bowl. It's the NFC title game. It is too late to stop talking Super Bowl. Voyage for Vindication didn't knock it off the tracks either. No, it right? did not. In fact, it probably helped it. Mm-hmm. Probably helped the Falcons. Didn't help the Falcons. Didn't out, help the Falcons yeah, well, got the Falcons out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could uh, we could bring those shirts back. I mean, it's still a voyage for vindication. 
I mean, even though they're not playing the Falcons, they're looking for like franchise vindication. That's true. Yeah, the, the the shirts would have been awesome if the Falcons would have beat the Eagles. We could have brought those back. And but they should have, too. Thank you to all the people who did buy them for uh, uh, money going to the American Cancer Society. All right. Case Keenum. He's a free agent. So this is uh, probably getting ahead of ourselves. But just for fun, where would you put, I think, before you answer the question of, Okay, long-term contract, what do you do with him? Do you franchise tag him? I've seen enough now, and I've, I've I've changed my tune sort of gradually over the three months. I've It's taken some shoving to get there. I haven't been an early adopter on the Case Keenum front like a lot of people. Like, where, oh, the iPhone comes out 10 years ago, and, you're, yeah. and you pre-order one. I didn't pre-order a Case Keenum. I needed to see more games. I'm ready to franchise him for $23 million, and... I think it's important to put him in a category before you decide what you're going to do. So I'm just going to list off quarterbacks. You tell me if for the next couple years, Case Keenum is better or worse than the quarterback I list. Okay. Okay. And this isn't like, would you rather have so-and-so it's if we're going to rank 32 quarterbacks in the NFL and kind of put you in a place of, are you a long-term guy? Are you a year to year guy? What are you? What bin do you fit into? Yes. Well, there's one tier that I'll just put them all in the same bucket. The, the top, top tier of quarterbacks, to me, the Hall of Fame caliber guys. So Brady, Rodgers, Ben, Breeze, and Wilson. Mm-hmm. I think we all agree those guys are better, right? Mm-hmm. That's a special group, yes. All right. Matt Ryan or Case Keenum? Uh, Matt Who's better? Matt Ryan. Agreed. I like Matt Ryan. Phillip Rivers. So right now, this season, Phillip Rivers or Case Keenum? Oh. It's, it's a no-brainer. It's Phillip Rivers for me. That's a tough one. Uh, Rivers, probably career wise, yeah. I mean, Philip Rivers' numbers are borderline Hall of Fame caliber yeah. if he had a defense. But you're saying right coaching. now, so it, yep. it's tougher. Okay. Uh, Cam Newton, that's a little borderline for me, but yeah. Cam Newton has at least proven over seven years. There's a lot of flaws that drive me nuts, mm-hmm. but I would still say Cam Newton. Yeah, Cam Newton, yes. Matt Stafford? Matt Stafford. Me too. Andrew Luck, if he's healthy. Oh, Andrew Luck, it's not even yep. close. Carson Wentz. Uh, Carson Wentz. Uh, Derek Carr. Ooh, that got tougher, but still Derek Carr. Yeah, me too. Kirk Cousins. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a, Kirk Cousins, barely, I guess. I, I would almost need to look at the. Yeah, now we're getting into body an interesting territory. This there. Is not, that, that's not clear cut to me. Yep. Alex Smith. Uh, Case Keenum. But but I would rep- but if you couldn't have Keenum back and I had to take Smith on this team with this offense, I wouldn't puke. I agree with that answer. I agree with that. I agree with that answer. Yes, Eli Manning is. This isn't would you take him necessarily, but it's who's the better quarterback in the NFL right now, Case Keenum or Eli Manning? Um, I honestly think right now, Case Keenum. Right now, I'm torn on that. That's where R- Rivers is difficult for me right now because it's that's. That's, that's I, I think Eli Manning has been the victim of some really bad coaching the last couple of years, too. So I'm going to say Eli. Okay. I'm saying Case right now. All right. I'll, a few more real quick here. Yeah. Because th- this is all coming together for a grand point. Andy Dalton, Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, and or Marcus Mariota. Um, Keenum over Dalton for sure in my mind. Uh, Jared Goff over Keenum if I had to make a decision right now. Okay. And I'm, I'm sorry, who else did you say? Uh, Dak Prescott, Marcus Mariota. Uh, Dak Prescott over Keenum and Mariota over Keenum. Wow, okay. Um, I right would now. probably go, I'd probably go Mariota. Again, that's bad offensive coaching. If you put Mariota with Pat Shermer, type of a thing. But 
who's the better quarterback in the NFL? I would probably say, uh, yeah, I'll I'll go Mariota too on that one. But it's you know it's kind of splitting hairs. And then a couple more here, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, I would take Garoppolo. He's incredible. Yep, Garoppolo. So that's seventeen quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Seventeen quarterbacks we think are better than Case Keenum right now. Mm-hmm. Twelve for sure that people probably wouldn't argue over. Mm-hmm. So five in that gray area. So if that's the case, pun intended, and we've got the different tiers of quarterbacks, like the number one Hall of Fame caliber guys, the the all time guys. Number two category would be. Could can play at an MVP level if the circumstances are right. So Matt Ryan, Philip Rivers, Cam Newton, eh, like Derek Carr, Andrew Luck, Matt Stafford in that category. Prescott potentially. I think he's fighting to be in that category, but right now he's in more of a question mark category behind that group. Yeah. And and there's about twelve guys in those first two tiers. Yes. So that's why I'm fine if I, I think he can keep playing like this and maybe has potential to get to that next year, Mm -hmm. giving him like $23 million on a franchise tag with the cap room. That just puts into context kind of where he is. It's not a knock. Here's he's, he's performing very well. Here's what I, here's the one thing we don't know that's going to become an absolute key factor in this entire discussion. Cause I think Bradford's gone. Bradford's got a bad knee. I don't trust it. It it might be fixed for, for now, but it's been surgically repaired, torn ACL twice. It got bad again. It's going to come back and bite him at some point soon again, I'm sure. The question that we don't know the answer to and the question that I think the Vikings are probably very enthralled with is this. How does Teddy look? If Bridgewater behind the scenes looks really good if and, and they say to, to themselves, okay, he got basically two years off. He came back in 17 and practiced a lot, which he did, and now he looks set to go. That's where I think that they could they could sit down and internally say we're going with him because don't forget too the Keenum conversation is going to, to hinge on Sunday's game and and last Sunday as great as the comeback was and as fun as that was to watch that was not a completely convincing performance so if privately you're watching Bridgewater and he is progressing and coming back and looking really good and that leg is completely fixed. There's a there's a there's a argument to be made there that if you're if you're the Vikings, do you want to franchise Keenum or do you want to accept that the fact that internally you might say this was one great year, but we drafted a quarterback in the first round who is now back and now could be our quarterback again. And that, yeah. that doesn't mean that, that you wouldn't then have to go get a backup behind Teddy, who you could say if something happens here can certainly play. But that's the one thing we just have no idea about. Yeah, Pat Sherman of the Giants makes it more likely that Case Keenum is the Vikings starting quarterback just based on the, sort of the effect here. Now, could the Cardinals, who, with whoever their coach is, uh, have they hired him? They have not. They have, they have not, not landed. No. So, if, no. so if the Cardinals decide, you know what, we're just not going to be able to draft somebody and we need kind of a stopgap, we'll go two years on a big contract for Keenum, mm-hmm. you know, I could still see that happening. But we know it's very unlikely with Eli Manning already in the mix and with Josh Rosen probably going to the Giants at number two or mm-hmm. someone going to the Giants at number two, mm-hmm. the Case Keenum's not going to go to Pat Shermer. Like that would seem to be the marriage that makes the most sense. Wherever Shermer winds up, uh, Case Keenum winds up. I think the odds now, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna go odds on who starts Week One, Snap One for the Vikings, I think Case Keenum is the odds on favorite right now. Um, now, if they win the Super Bowl, the, there's no question. Yeah. If they win the Super Bowl, yeah, that changes the. It's, changes it's absolutely no question. Yes. Six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. If you want to chime in, what's up, Howard? Good morning. Oh, definitely good afternoon, gentlemen. Good Close. Afternoon. Yeah. There is no. There is no way Bridgewater is anywhere near playing condition. If he would have, he would have been active. 
Bradford after what does it tell you when Bradford after knee surgery is more active and more ready to play than Bridgewater, who's been on the active roster for ten weeks. There's no way Bridgewater is ready. I, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble. If he comes back at two or three million, you keep him. But there's no way you pay him anything more than that. Well, I he hasn't, I, he hasn't played in two I years. No, I agree with that though. Well I, well, I agree with the two or three million thing, and that he's probably not going to look great in the game. Um, but I think if Sam Bre- the reason why Sam Bradford was active as the backup is because he more recently has played a bunch of games and has performed well than Correct. Bridgewater. Correct. And and I I think it's it's misguided that so so many people saw that Bradford was active for that game and then just made assumptions. It's really simple to me. He played against the Saints. He has played in in meaningful games more re- recently than Teddy because uh, that game against the Bengals, Teddy came in and threw, what, a couple passes, yeah. a, a pick? So this, to me, has nothing to do with 2018 or, or, or you know, all, all of a sudden Bradford's going to come back. This, to me, was a playoff decision that made sense. But it does not forecast one thing. And I keep going back to this point. When it comes to Teddy, we aren't there. We have no idea. Listen, he might look terrible, and they might say, you're done, kid. Sorry. Bye. But you've got a head coach that loves him and a GM who drafted him. And if he, behind the scenes, is making progress, that is definitely going to, after this year is done, impact their discussions on how they think about the position going forward. Yeah. Man, it's going to be interesting. I mean, obviously, Case Keenum has solidified himself enough to where you're totally comfortable paying him a lot of money for next year. Then it just becomes... Well, how how many other teams are in the mix, and how much money are we talking about here? Do you want to get into a really bad contract? And there's just no middle class for quarterbacks in the NFL. The good news for the Vikings is, even if they have to pay like franchise tag money for for Case Keenum, it won't be that much more than they're paying their quarterbacks this year. Sam Bradford makes about seventeen million dollars this year. Yeah, it makes a ton. Case Keenum is about two, I think, two million dollars. One year, two million, yes. And Bridgewater is about one and a half or two million dollars. Mm-hmm. So they're already paying over twenty million dollars for the quarterback position this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe that goes up to like twenty-five million when you account for Bridgewater coming back and a Case Keenum franchise tag. But other guys come off the books. Terrence Newman comes off the books. He probably retires either way after this season. What's he for? going on forty, right? Yes. He's 39 right now. Uh, Joe Berger is aging. He's going to he retire. He comes off the books. He's done, he said. And he's making a handful of millions of dollars. I mean, yep. he's making some decent money. Um, and then, like Sam Bradford's $17 million comes off, but you would replace it with Case Keenum and then more mm-hmm. than that. So uh, you, who, are there big extensions coming up here, too? Stefan Diggs is going to have to be extended yeah, at some point. Yeah, Diggs is going to have to be. Thielen has been already. Uh, Rhodes got his. Harrison his Smith kicks in. Has, has, has his. Rhodes I, is the highest against the cap next year under I th- contract. I think Diggs is the next big one to come down the pike. Yeah. But, I mean, they're fine. I just I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see internally what the discussions turn up about where this team feels that they're at quarterback-wise. And if, they, if Keenum wins the Super Bowl, I'm with you. It changes the storyline completely. But if they lose on Sunday and he plays okay again but not great— I could see I could see them saying if Teddy looks good because the thing on Sunday as far as backups went means nothing. That's not the determining factor. What's going to be the, the determining factor is is Teddy making progress. And if he is and they say okay, he's going to come back at let's say I don't know, take your pick, 
12 mil- million or something like that. Mm-hmm. I could see them doing that. You know, one one other thing on this, and by the way, we're going to open up for a little Ask Mackie and Judd when we come back after uh, the next break. So if you got questions, you can line up 651-646-8255. Questions about anything. Yep. The Stefan Diggs play. Uh, if you got questions about hooded sweatshirts, Judd is here to answer those questions. We're open books. So we'll get to that. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. I can't tell... Mm-hmm. If Case Keenum is the next Tony Romo, where he goes from undrafted to franchise quarterback in his late twenties, mm-hmm. or if he's still just sort of a journeyman who's popping up and having a good year and will regress back to backup status, and I don't know. I, I don't know if the Vikings know. I don't think they do. But I, I don't it wouldn't shock me if he's you know for sure Tony Romo. But it also wouldn't shock me if he's Brian Hoyer. Right. And that's. We'll find out. And they, <laughs> we will find out. And they, they've got options behind him. And the question becomes, I think it is really hard to tell because for the most part, and to his credit, things have gone right. But the infrastructure is perfect. Now, if you take Shermer out of that equation, is that infrastructure still perfect? The Vikings don't yeah. know. We don't know. Hey, ask Mackie and Judd. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Or uh, you can tweet at us with the hashtag Ask Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You don't seem like a public menace to me. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Never push a good man too far. Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan star in the explosive action thriller The Foreigner from the director of Casino Royale. Don't miss the film critics are calling sharp, exciting, and compelling. Own The Foreigner now on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital, and head to the 1500 ESPN stream player for details on how to win your very own Blu-ray copy. Casino Royale, I know Judd's never seen a Bond movie. Dave, you've seen Casino Royale yes. or no? Okay. Uh, are you a thumbs up, thumbs down on that? I like that one. It's 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 one of my three favorite Bond movies. All the Daniel Craig ones I am a big fan of. He's my number one Bond, if you ask me to rank yeah. him. He's, he, he, do, he overtakes Connery. And, and that's, mm. I like that opinion. I, he's right there. I think Connery's still number one, but the fact that he's above Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan. So I got into a Twitter conversation in the hours leading up to the Vikings game on Sunday. It was in my timeline. With Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin. And both of we were we were trying to rank our top five Bond movies. And Wetmore chimes in, who's never seen any movie. The guy's never seen Major League, for God's sakes. He's covered baseball for eight what? years. He still hasn't yes. seen it? No. Wow. It's embarrassing. Uh-huh. Yeah. The amount of baseball references or references to that movie that must go over his head. It's astounding. Dude, he just just a bit outside. He just the corner maybe pre- laughs and pretends like he knows. I don't know. So he chimes in and says, "I tried to watch Casino Royale on a plane one time, but fell asleep after like 15 minutes." I said, "Are you sure it was Casino Royale? Because the first 15 minutes of that movie are like it's the most exciting, high it's energy non-stop. chase scene in any Bond movie ever." Where he's just blowing things up, they're 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 sprinting across like a crane that's two hundred feet above the ground. I don't know. It's Wetmore. He could have fallen asleep. I'd believe it. I guess, but so between Wetmore never seeing Major League and Judd never seeing any James Bond never movies Bond of the twenty four of them or whatever they're said <sighs> is amazing to and, me. And her, Courtney said it, that, that hands down Connery's her her uh, top Bond. Right. Yeah, well, he's the first, and he's he's legendary, and yeah. he's done the most Bond movies. Okay. Uh, Daniel Craig's been Bond for over a decade now, though. This is his 12th year as James Bond. He's got another one coming out, I believe, in 2018 or 19, somewhere there. So, anyways, ask Mackie and Judd. Let's uh, let's take, we had one off-air that Dave uh, brought up here during the break. 
would the Vikings be able to retain Pat Shermer if they just offered him like a better title and more money? And here's the answer, according to internet data collection. NFL head coaches make about seven to nine times as much as top NFL coordinators. So if somebody said, all right, we'll, we'll give you a bump to a million dollars as a coordinator, but then the Giants said, oh, we'll just pay you $8 million a year to be our next head coach. But we got a flashy new title, too. No. And how many, we'll take the money. how many coordinators have said, you know what, I'm just happy here. I'll just stay here. Well, if the Browns there's come not, knocking, a lot of them actually. Right, Josh McDaniels not, has said no to the to many teams. But eventually, they they all leave. And if you're if you're Shermer, you coached in Cleveland, and you won nine games, you're saying, give me another shot. Yeah. So there not, is not there happen. is no way unless you shackle him in the bowels of Winter Park and and basically tie him up for the entire. Uh, a summer months, there is no way that Pat Shermer is going to remain on your staff. Yes, so you can... You can and he deserves to be hired, by the way. Tweet at us, uh, hashtag Ask Mackie and Judd. You can email us, or you can call us, 651-646-8255. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. How you doing today? What's, What's going up? on, dude? Hey, I got one question. I haven't heard anything. Uh, what's up with our voice in Dale? Have you guys heard anything? Is he in, out? Because, uh, you know, as soon as he went down, we were a little out of, out of sync on our defense. Uh, he he was according to Zim in the press conference on, on Monday. He was much improved. Uh, my guess is they're going to find a way to get him through that, that old concussion protocol and have him him out there on Sunday. I think in a game like this, they're going to do everything they can to make sure that he uh, that he can uh, count to ten. Yeah, I, 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 the only thing I saw was that. One of the players tweeted that he was like Sendejo being being that Sendejo. Was that right? was what Rhodes said. Yeah. Okay. So he, I don't know. he was he's Dejo, a tough dude. Dejo being Dejo. Dejo that's he's Dejo. good. Yeah. I think he'll play. Uh, let's see here. Hashtag Ask Mackie and Judd on Twitter. Uh, if Keenum wins the Super Bowl, but with another middling performance, why does that change anything? Too many questions. So you franchise him. Um, I don't. I mean, it, if they win the Super Bowl. And he's not a train wreck. He's going to be the starting quarterback next year. And I think you'd probably just franchise him then. Mm-hmm. Franchising him solves a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you'd be going from paying your quarterback position $4 million to $24 million, And now, oh my God, we got we have to account for $20 million in extra salary cap space. You have the money to do it. Yep. And it makes the most sense of all the options. Being very clear here. Here's, here's what I think. I think at Winter Park internally there are real doubts. Okay. Now, you can't come out and say that, and you're not going to. But I think internally they're thinking to themselves, one, can this last? And two, when Zimmer gets up to the podium on Sunday and starts to talk about Keenum's really bad pick in depth, that's not. That's because I, I think the gunslinger thing when it comes to Zim is not his, uh, his most popular attribute for a quarterback. So if you lose on Sunday and he doesn't play that well, I think there's a very good chance that they say, should we franchise him or should we go back to Teddy if he's fine? And if uh, if Keenum can get a three-year big contract from the Cardinals, they accept that, he leaves. You win the Super Bowl, the narrative's completely different. If you win the Super Bowl, just from a perception standpoint, I don't think you, you can say, thanks, uh, Case, peace out. Uh, but if you lose on Sunday... I think that there's a very good chance that this franchise takes a long, hard look. And that doesn't mean that Keenum doesn't come back, but I don't think it's a slam dunk that they they just franchise him then and keep him. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ask Mackie and Judd Micah says, does Diggs' catch and Joe Buck's call make you hate him less? 
I've never hated Joe Buck. I've thought that his baseball play-by-play could be a little too cool for school sometimes. Where there was a play like 10 years ago in the NLCS. A Mets left fielder jumped up and robbed a home run late in the game in like the eighth inning. And Joe Buck's call was, fly ball, caught. It's like, dude, ramp it up a little bit. <laughs> that's only That's been my only beef. Or sometimes he almost plays it too cool for school. Yep. But he didn't on this call. And... I've never hated him personally. It's, I don't know. It's time to forgive Joe Buck, people. I know you still, I know a lot of you in my Twitter feed can't stand him to this day. It's time to forgive him. Yeah. It was a great call. Yeah. He's, he also said, uh, Arif Hassan retweeted this. He said on the Rich Eisen show yesterday, U.S. Bank Stadium is the best stadium in the NFL. He loves it here. All right. There you go. Uh, we're back tomorrow. Find all of our on-demand content at 1500ESPN.com. Podcasts, our show, you name it. See you tomorrow. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.